the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. On a personal level, I have 25 years uh, of building uh, companies, and I have the privilege to speak with nonprofit exec directors on a daily basis uh, through Financing Solutions, of course. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. Today, I'm really excited to introduce to you our speaker, who is Perrette Downer. She's the founder and executive director of BFRIN, that's B-F-R-I-N, which stands for Being Fitted, Right is Necessary. Perrette graduated valedictorian from Bartram Academy of Business and Finance in 1994 and has committed herself to the humanities as well as research and implementation initiatives targeting the underserved community for the past 20 plus years throughout the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware as it pertains to counseling, breast cancer support as a certified mastectomy fitter, as well as through the research and statistic projects that she's been involved with. During her tenure as administrator at Temple University Hospital in the Community Development Division for 10 plus years, she was successful in procuring and maintaining the CDC's fiscal sponsored project, serving the redevelopment of the Tioga, Nicetown area of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In 2008, Mrs. Downer, along with her family, established Ephraim, a nonprofit organization which continues to educate breast cancer survivors, as well as doctors, therapists, and various hospital personnel in in underserved communities to understand how adjuvant therapies procure the survivor's need for cosmesis, which which assists survivors along their breast cancer journey. So just so everybody knows, uh, I had to look up two words in this introduction. Uh, I didn't know with what adjuvant went meant, and hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly because I actually have dyslexia, uh, uh, and, and that is the treatment for cancer and cosmesis is the preservation and restoration or bestowing of bodily beauty. And I think it was really important that I just kind of wanted to uh, make sure everybody understood those two words because it's very relevant to what Perrette does. Uh, many of BeFriend's programs rely upon volunteerism and Mrs. Downer's contribution toward advancing the educational empowerment of breast cancer survivors throughout the community. So I'd like to welcome Perrette to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. I'm excited to really uh, speak to you today. Uh, I did a lot of research on, you know, your, your organization and you and, you know, and so, you know, I, I know what we're going to uh, get to before, uh, after this first question is, you know, 
how do you keep that personal one-to-one relationship with your quote unquote customers that you service as a, as your nonprofit grows? And um, I know it's an area that you really kind of feel that you guys have done a really good job with. So maybe even before we get into that business related nonprofit, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved in BeFriend. Sure, sure. Well, we we found that so many women in underserved communities were not being provided with the opportunity and the necessary education after breast surgery. Um, for instance, to regain symmetry after surgery, some women were being told by their medical team to actually stuff socks into their brassieres and you know, this was very alarming in this in this 21st century that the proper education and guidance was not readily available. So our family wanted to be that voice of guidance, you know, that that voice of education here in Philadelphia and the surrounding area. And so that's what what made us start Befriend. Now, you had a relative that was kind of involved uh, at one point with uh, you know, having an issue. And that kind of introduced you to this idea too, correct? Most definitely. Most definitely. My aunt had breast cancer and she was a part of that underserved community where she had uh, state-funded Medicaid. And uh, after her breast surgery, she was not um, privy to a lot of the, uh, the items, supplies, as far as prosthetics and bras that were more available, I would say, in a more affluent area. She was not made aware of them and she uh, she was not offered them. Maybe, you know, the doctors were thinking that her health insurance didn't cover it or they didn't have the information themselves. And so um, because she didn't have what she needed after breast surgery, we later found out that these items are available to uh, her, to women in underserved communities, as well as women in affluent areas. And we just wanted to spread that word and help. I understand. So, I mean, how long ago did that kind of happen with your aunt? It's, it's for, for her, it was 25 years ago. And yeah, so it was a very long time that get between when she needed these items and when we found out uh, what was available, and we started Befriend about 10 years ago. Hmm. So uh, turning our subject a little bit more over to, you know, the business side, uh, when what were the signs that you kind of saw where you felt like your customers were being treated? Uh, and, and am I using that word correctly? Well, you would use customers as a, as a way to describe your, the people you're serving? Well, we would say more so clients or patients, but it's really all in the, you know, customer service arena. Yep. So what what was it that you, where you saw, uh, you said, you know what, uh, we're losing our focus, we're, we're, we're treating people as numbers, we're not treating them as individuals. Was there a, a moment in time when you kind of felt that way? Well, I think it's it's apparent. It became apparent when we no longer started to talk about the person using their name, but maybe I would say using descriptions. You know, the woman who came in yesterday with the yellow dress, or you know, the woman who said this or or said that. And you know, there was a time when I knew all fifty people who were in our database by first and last name. You know, such a small yep. number. You know, but over the years, we've grown to over 
2050. Mm -hmm. So I think it was pretty much at that point. Uh, And even though I might not know the names personally, you know, of each uh, client or patient that we service, the BeFriend representative that we have assigned to that person must know it. Mm. We, we can't use descriptions of people. We have to know the people. We have mm. to know something about what their individual story is. And when that's lost, then that person becomes just a number, just another name in the database. How do you, how do you think it's changed your operation when you you know, you were using a number or, you know, it was, you're getting away from it. And then you kind of made a clear, and I'm just, you know, guessing when you made a choice to say to everybody, okay, no more, we have to now, uh, well, and you know, instead of me saying that, tell me the transition that you saw in your organization from going, you know, from a number to a person, what was that like? Well, I think it, it was, when we when we started hearing these descriptions even more often and there wasn't a name associated to this story that we wanted to uh, to tell or needed help with. And so when we saw that more and more at our monthly meetings, we began to say, well, who who exactly are you talking about? And, you know, and and that's when we said we have to we have to get back to basics. We have to get back to who is this person? What is their story? But it happened over time gradually. It's kind of like a ship that or a a little boat that leaves the shore. You know, it just gradually gets to the water and then it gets far out into the middle of the the sea. And it's not until you look back and see that you've you've come far away that you say, okay, we have to make some adjustments here. So I think it was over time we started noticing it and we started coming uh, back to shore gradually as well. So when you made that, it, it sounds like a minor, I mean, it sounds like a very minor shift, right? Mm-hmm. But what did you know? What was your observations of how it changed what got, went on in your organization when that, uh, when that switch happened? I think for, for me personally, when, when I didn't know a name, of a person, you know, or when a person would, uh, uh, we would have a client come in and she would actually ask to speak to me or speak to my mother. And, you know, maybe we weren't in the office that day. We were um, handling other company business. So I think when those things happen, when I don't know a name or the person is requesting me and I'm not available, mm-hmm. those are some of the, you know, the pinpointed scenarios that would happen that would set that red light off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was, was there things that you noticed how your staff would start treating people differently when they knew their name? Definitely. Most definitely. When a person, when, when our staff knew the person's name, they would even be more apt to go the extra mile for this Mm. person. You know, when when they knew the person's name, now they would spend a little longer on their case file, you know, instead of um, handling one client and going directly to the next. They would actually labor a little more for that person that they they knew their name. Hmm. And I guess your staff kind of liked it, too, huh? Yeah, definitely. It, it makes it more of a family environment. It makes it, uh, you know, to where when patients and clients come in, when you know that name, you feel a camaraderie. You almost want to be at work 
because you feel like you're going somewhere where there's family. You know, it's not just a place of work. It's a place of family and it's a place where everybody, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but that place where everybody knows your name. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) now uh, if you were give, you know, if you if you were to talk to another executive director at a nonprofit and 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 uh, she or he shared with you, oh, yeah, I'm seeing that my organization. What and and you would give them some recommendations. What? What would you say to them? Well, I would say, for one, make sure that each person in the organization feels the same way about customer relations, that, you know, to to be committed to this mantra, uh, do not treat people like a number, but more like your grandmother. So get a commitment from everyone on the team to feel that way, for one. And then uh, perhaps even create a customer satisfaction survey, one that will help you to determine where your true strengths and weaknesses are. Um, Also to perhaps to have weekly or monthly meetings where you discuss individual patient or customer profiles and then collaborate as a group to see how you can help each customer or client on a case-by-case basis. Um, Mm. Yes, and and then definitely to conduct a follow-up call, perhaps maybe after you know, two weeks or two months, let the customer know that you're thinking about them long after the transaction. And uh, that makes them feel special. It has a tremendous impact on repeat business and it has an impact on the um, the family feeling within the office itself. So when you uh, started doing a little bit more because first year, I guess the first step was to make sure you understood, you knew people's names as a staff. Yes. That was the first step, right? Yes. And then, and then I guess the next step was you started talking about them in, uh, you know, in meetings and, and, uh, and I think yes. I remember too, well, you know, from our, our conversations too, I mean, you really felt that one of the strengths of your organization was its customer service. Definitely. Definitely. That's what we were built on. And we wanted to keep that um, as our foundation and build upon that. So outside of the individual names, what is it do you think that you guys, your organization does that you've noticed is, is quite a bit different than other organizations and that you think your kind of best practice is at? Yes. Well, I think um, it has a lot to do with feeling uh, the the struggle of the client or a patient and also to teamwork, you know, realizing that sometimes we must wear different hats and being prepared to help coworkers to complete projects that are not in our personal, you know, day-to-day scope. That's important for us, you know, to be cross-trained and, and willing to help. What else? What else do you think you do really well at? I think um, being being more organized now to um, to make sure that each file is exactly the same, although it's different for each patient. So in explaining that, I would say that there won't be one client's file that is missing one step of the process. So in that way, it would be exactly the same uh, as each file to make sure we haven't missed any part of the process. But of course, the content of that file would be different. So I would say being highly organized helps. So does the, 
I, 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 as when you say file, I'm assuming that you're still using hard copy and that type of thing. Uh, is that well, correct? No, we, we have uh, hard copy files, but we really depend on our digital file. We moved over to digital files some years ago. And so every piece of the patient's chart, the client's chart is going is scanned in to our central system and we're able to pull it up uh, electronically. So has any of the forms that you now use uh, like changed? So in other words, is when you started making a change to making things more personal, were there certain uh, questions you started asking inside the file that made the person seem more like a person instead of a number? Oh, definitely. Definitely. That would go back to that satisfaction survey um, as one file that changed a little, but that satisfaction survey that goes out to the client is definitely more personalized and it's it's asking for more of their feedback. There are more options for uh, kind of paragraph answers instead of just yes or no or check the box between one to five or one to 10, um, scaling their evaluation, but more room for them to talk. So, so that- mm-hmm. So more open-ended questions. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. More open-ended questions. And then for the, for the befriend representative, the questions that they need to ask themselves after the client has left is definitely more personalized and it would, um, it would, it would talk about that individual client as opposed to, um, you know, just static questions. What about, I mean, are you meeting and educating doctors too? Yes, we most definitely are. And that definitely helps with the process. Uh, Like I said, there are so, there were, medical professionals who had advised our our clients early on to put socks uh, for symmetry and other items. So now what we do is we go to the different hospitals and we provide in-service uh, sessions that will educate those medical professionals on the medical necessity of breast prosthetics, the medical necessity of having uh, post-mastectomy garments and bras. And that's proved to be very um, instrumental in creating a relationship with the doctors so that now they can give this information to the patients and the circle is now more complete. Now, is it like the patient situation where you have to, where you've tried to be more personal with the doctors or is there not as much follow up with the doctors as it was, as, as it is with the patients? There's definitely a lot more follow up um, than it it had been. We realized that, you know, the, the doctors and medical personnel at the hospitals, they would rather deal with organizations and companies that they have a relationship with. And uh, we feel the same way. And so we try to keep our in-service sessions very regular at the different uh, community hospitals. So we try to visit them at least once every six months. But then we also have a representative that goes around to the different clinics and hospitals, and they they know the uh, the representatives that we send by by name. And so we just kind of check on them very often to make sure they um, if there's any questions that they have or if they need any more literature. And so we definitely want our face a face to our name. 
I'm curious, has there, have you ever had a situation where one of the uh, clients that you're working with kind of came to you and said, you know, my doctor, Dr. So-and-so told me this and it's, it, you know, something terrible, you know, wrong. And, uh, and, you know, about, uh, you know, breast augmentation or whatever. Um, and you, and you had to, uh, you had to go back to the doctor and say, you know, we heard this and this is not correct. Or have you ever had situations like that? Oh yeah. But uh, for one, it's far and few between that we have it. But when we do have those, uh, situations the it's, it's really a very, um, pleasantly surprising how the doctors and medical professionals will receive that information from us. And they, you know, when we go to them on those rare occasions and show them the items that are are to be used instead of what they are suggesting or give them information, they they welcome it, you know, and yeah. it's something that's that's new to them. And so they're excited to learn about it. And we give them other uh, information that just backs up the um, the validity of this information. But they're they're very welcoming of the information. You know, you you live you you work and live in the Philadelphia metropolitan area, and I live and work in the New Jersey metropolitan area. And you know, recently in the last two years, I've had uh, some medical issues where it was nothing serious, just kind of sports related injuries, and. You know, it's it's amazing how you feel. Uh, I, I think I had to see four different doctors, and how none of them really knew my name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they are, and and I think it really, really, really affected the care that I got. Yeah. You know, and so I think you see this. You know, and I, I mentioned the metropolitan areas only because you know I think these doctors are, are seeing so many patients. Mm-hmm that it's, uh, you know, forget the name. They, they, they just uh, are, are going from one patient to a nut, uh, another so quickly. Yeah. You, you've, you, you, you know, do you notice the same thing? We, we've, we've noticed that in, in some occasions, but we, we feel like when we deal with the medical assistance that will usually provide the prescriptions that are needed and uh, other care for the patients they they tend to know the breast cancer survivor a little more, um, wow. and so and so that that makes us feel good because uh, the the patient is also involved in their own care. And yeah. when we talk to the patient, we'll ask them to get in touch with the doctor's office, and then we also get in touch with the doctor's office. But it seems like the the representative who's at the front desk or that medical assistant has a very good rapport, you know, with the patient. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine. So you start this organization and you start growing and you, at some point you, you notice that, Hey, you know, it's, we don't seem to be treating people as individuals. And then you go back and you start treating them as individuals. Um, it must you must like more what you're doing now. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, because I, uh, was there ever a point in your organization where you had people who were not on board with that idea? 
for for the most part, everyone was on board with it. They knew that that's how we started our organization. But it's kind of like um, they could get roped into that uh, sh- that little boat drifting out to shore the same way we could. So everyone was on board with it, and it's only if you kind of identify to another person that they might be headed in that direction, or if someone points it out to me that I'm leading in that direction, uh, that you notice it because you really don't, you can get caught into the vortex of, you know, going to work every day and filling out the forms and doing all the things that are required and you don't notice it. So I think that everyone was on board, but when, uh, you, you pointed out, that's when you realize, oh, okay, I have to come back to center. I have to uh, remember what our focus is here. And that's what makes it special is that everyone at Befriend really loves people and our, our focus is to help. And as long as we continue to center ourselves and, and refocus and, you know, every day make that self-assessment, to make sure that the the patient is a person and not a number, then that's when we thrive. Yeah, you know it's interesting. When, so when when you and I talked originally, uh, I love this topic. I thought it was a, a great topic, and I even looked at my own business and I said, you know, are we treating our customers as individuals or as a number? And you know, the problem is in my team, uh, everybody seems to have such great memories. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, you know, and so, uh, you know, when I mention uh, a certain name of somebody, you know, uh, uh, Christina, who works for me, she's got a memory. It's unbelievable. And she remembers every single detail about that person. But for me, I often have to go back to my notes and I do keep my notes and I, I go back to them to kind of refresh my memory. Uh, because a lot of times when I'm talking to people or customers is, a lot of times I know their, their story and their, you know, how their nonprofit began and how they got involved in it. And I usually sometimes even know something about their, their families and stuff like that, just, just because it comes up in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it was interesting just when I, you told me about the subject, I'd looked and see how we're applying it in our own business. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, and I think you're right. I think it's like, you know, we keep a file on our clients, of course, and in that file, we have a lot of notes. So um, is there anything else that you would suggest to a nonprofit who might be experiencing the same problem? Yes, I think to to constantly assess yourself um, on an individual basis. And then when you do the employee reviews, um, definitely bring it up the subject of customer relations and really treating people as people and not as a number. So it has to be that each person does the self-assessment, that each manager brings it up on the evaluation. And then when it comes to group meetings and staff meetings, that that's something that definitely is addressed each time. When, when it's left you know, at length, to where this issue is not talked about, is not brought up, that's where the problem occurs. But if yep. it's always in the forefront, then you're doing well. Yeah, so I think the summary of, of what you're telling us is it has to be a priority from a leadership position. Definitely. And, and, and if as long as the leadership is always talking about it, 
regardless of the processes and procedures you have in place, it'll make its way through the culture of the organization. Definitely. Definitely. That's great. Uh, You know, I really, I know this is a good subject for many, many nonprofits. And so, you know, I would really like to thank you for speaking to us about it today. Oh, certainly. Uh, If you, you know, if for those of you who are listening, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, uh, you can call us at 862-207-4118, or you can visit our website at at fscreditline.com. Perrette, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? They can call our office at 866-473-3325, or they can reach us online at befriend.org, and that's spelled B-F-R-I-N.org. Great. And lastly, if you feel, if anyone listening feels that their nonprofit has a unique story related to how your nonprofit is applying business or leadership tools, please contact, please contact me. We're, we are always looking for speakers for our podcast and we'd love to have you. Uh, thank you for listening and thank you for making the world a better place.